Hello there, my name is Jamie Adams, and welcome to this special episode of Brainwaves. This is a special episode about Dized, the companion app for learning board games. Using fully voiced interactive tutorials, Dized promises to react to what's happening in your game so players can learn as they play. Their second crowdfunding campaign has now gone live on Kickstarter, following their successful Indiegogo campaign in August 2017. Breaking news. Since the recording of this episode, the new Dized Kickstarter was cancelled only a few days after its launch. The company plans to relaunch in early November. Explaining their reasons behind the relaunch, Dized said they felt there was a level of confusion and misinformation considering its crowdfunding efforts, and hope to clarify these before they head back to Kickstarter. We hope that this special episode of Brainwaves can go some way in explaining those plans. Back to the show. With me to discuss this are Samuel Max. Hello. And Ian McAllister. Hello. Ian, what prompted us to do this episode? A few months ago, Dice put out a press release, uh, which I got, and they were go- saying that they were going back to Kickstarter. Now, this piqued my interest from a journalistic point of view because I knew they had gone back to, they'd gone to Indiegogo the previous year in August of 2017. They had a successful Indiegogo campaign that raised about three times what they asked for, about $150,000 when they'd asked for 50000 And so um, I thought it was an interesting uh, thing for them to go back to Kickstarter, and I wanted to find out why they were doing that whether that meant there was trouble for the company or whether there were other reasons for them to do that. And so I started putting out feelers amongst the content creating community um, and I was put in touch, first of all, with Mike Barnes from Who Dares Rolls um, by uh, my friend Mark McKinnon. And um, Mike used to be the regional manager for Dyes UK. We had a little bit of an interview with him. And then we also reached out to Dyes themselves and chatted with Jared Miller, who is their marketing and media manager as well. And they both gave us excellent interviews, gave us a lot of information, and now we've uh, put together this cast to let you fine folks know what's going on with Dyzed. Sam, Ian, I'd like your thoughts on your first impressions, indeed, of the app itself. What do you think about it? I think it's got a lot of potential, and you'll hear that in what I say in the interviews coming up. I think there's... Again, as you'll hear me say, I think there's a large community of people who could really benefit from this, which maybe Dyes as an organisation at the moment aren't really aiming their marketing at, which I think they really could. From what the app's got at the moment, I think that there's tremendous potential to see a lot of a lot of growth there. Uh, I should like to say right now that currently Dyes has three games for tutorial on its app. It has Blood Rage, it has King Domino, and it has Ice Cool. I came from a point of view of being a little bit sceptical about the app. Um, I can see the potential in it, but it does need to gain a lot of ground over other companies' own apps. Um, We're seeing a lot of app integration in the industry in general at the moment, and I think it's going to take a lot of effort for DICE to become like an actual platform for various companies to come on board and actually produce those tutorials. I have to say, uh, and you'll hear these in the interviews coming forth, that uh, uh, certainly Jared was very convincing they are, they are certainly aware of quite a lot of the problems and they address all those quite well and I, I really do wish them well I, I hope that the, the app will come to fruition and will become the platform they want it to be but I think there are still some issues to be addressed and some problems going forward but we'll, we'll hear that in the interviews coming up Like yourselves obviously I'm hearing the word potential used a lot and that is as with any new product it's going to be massive 
Uh, like yourself, Ian, I, when I first became aware of Dazed, I was a little bit sceptical as well, mainly because of the, the limited amount of games that were currently on it compared to the relative output of games that is happening and increasing year on year. I don't know if it's talked about in the interviews. I assume it is discussed on how they'll be able to manage the output um, to try and keep up with games while still maintaining, from what I've aware of the generally quite good quality of the tutorials that was one of our biggest questions kind of straight out of the gate is how do you keep up with game release schedules and the hotness in a sense you know that it's all very well having a tutorial for blood rage which is a game that came out one to two years ago now however you know we've got arkham horror third edition on the line you know that's going to be huge everyone's going to be playing that where's the tutorial on release day that kind of thing is i think what we were driving at of the games people are going to be playing and people games people are going to want to be playing where's the support going to be for that initially really that was certainly addressed in the Jeremy Merrill interview and one of the things they're going back to Kickstarter for is to put out developers tools which will allow people to come on board and develop their own content and they have some answers as to how they're going to control that quality as well before we get to that interview Ian uh, here is Ian and Sam's interview with Mike Barnes the former UK regional manager of Dazed Mike, how did you first get involved with Dazed? Um, I'll, I'll give you the short version of it because it's a, it's a thing. Um, some years ago, a good few years ago, I met uh, the Yoni and uh, Tommy, who are the guys, the founding members of, of Dazed. They had a company called Playmore Games, um, and they had designed a game called Race to the North Pole, and they had a very basic version of the Dazed app at that point in time. This is going back probably about three or four years. Um, and at the time, they were pitching it around the conventions to try and get it published. Um, and the and the app at that point in time was kind of like a, a thing that was going to happen down the road. Um, and they subsequently went on, got some deals, got publishing house set up. They published the game and it all went off and they did that. Um, and then uh, Essen, about two years ago, they had uh, the rudimentary version of Dice running there for the for the race to the North Pole game. Um, and I went along and to the Essen show with them and we were using it to demo at the show. Um, and it had bilingual, so it did German and UK or English at that point in time. And I was able to demo uh, their game. I knew it anyway, but I was able to demo it pretty much to German gamers. They would come up, sit down. It was kind of like a proof of concept for it at that point in time. And so we had German families and, and gamers would come up and we would literally go, here's the app. This is going to show you how to do everything. And we basically show them the real basic stuff. And then they, they were off and rolling and they would sit and play. I mean, if you've ever been to Essen, they do sit and play games much longer at these shows rather than they do tend to at the expo or stuff like that. So yeah, that was kind of, that started, so we were running it from there, and then from that point they had an awful lot of interested publishers as you would imagine, because they were seeing the possibilities of, oh, we've got a bit of kit that we can have at a convention, we don't have to pay to have lots of demos standing there if this will do it for us. Um, so I know there were a lot of closed door meetings and they were getting lots of ideas, lots of interest from people and then jump forward they had the software running really much and then they went to Indiegogo, which was, I'm going to say, last year. Yeah, last year. Yeah, Yeah. so at that point in time, they came back to me because, you know, I'd, I'd known them for this period of time. We'd kind of just built a relationship with them and I'd uh, helped them out, done reviews of their games uh, and just and just uh, helped them. And they were very nice chaps. So they came back to me and went, would you like to come and just do UK regional manager for us for the launch of the, the crowdfunding? So I went, yeah. So I did that, and that was the idea was to obviously get some funding for the for the app. At that point in time, they had obviously the Race to the North Pole on it. They had 
they were in the process of developing i think it was seven wonders um and and the core mini stuff so blood rage as well was on the cards uh, um and so yeah we ran it and the idea was obviously to try and get funding for that because apps are expensive things to develop um and they did well i mean i think we did about 150k off of that yeah in yeah, app- they asked for 50 and got 150 yeah um i mean more would have been much much nicer the target was obviously higher than that um because app software development is expensive yeah i was wondering about that yeah so i mean you know it was it was so that was the major thing at that point they made the money but then they had to look at us all because there was a bunch of us uh regional managers there was me in the uk there was um uh less in the states there was some guys in in europe um russia and some area places that and they pretty much had to sit and go look we can't afford to keep you guys on really because we we need more money this is just all just being sunk into this development of this app we parted company on nice terms i still know the guys they're really lovely blokes so i was like yeah fine whatever you know it it, it would have been nice to have stuck with you but at that point in time we kind of a professionally parted company but we're still in talking terms we still we still share what, what did your work entail as a uh, regional manager for them so yeah what we were uh, doing what i was doing um we were reaching out to media people in uh, in our region so i was mainly doing uk stuff trying to get the word out about it obviously primarily to get interest in the funding of uh, the, the indiegogo project and just get the name and word out for it because that was the big issue i had with them i came on board and said you guys you know you could probably do a bit more marketing because you know a lot of people still aren't aware of it so um it was kind of trying to do as much of that as possible and we get some good outlets i had some contacts for um richard at uk games expo so we managed to get some stuff through those guys um, and and just generally some people in the media. I think Chup and Sit Down even did a bit for us, which is that was that was that was about all what we got there. <laughs> so yeah, it was just pretty much just trying to get the word out. And I was I ended up doing a lot of videos for them as well, and just general stuff that they were using on the campaign and stuff as well. So yeah, a bit of everything and some development of the actual uh, back sort of bits of the kit, how it all works. So do they have like a developer kit together already then, ready sort of ready to go? Because that that's the reason the stated reason they're going back to Kickstarter is to, to get money for sort of de- the developer side of the business. Yes, um, they didn't at, at the stage when I was on board with them is because it it's built of various things. I mean, there's all in house. Um, they do everything in house, and there's not a massive team of them. There is only a small team of programmers um, on it, like a like handful. Like we're talking like four or five people. And uh, what they were doing at that point in time is I was working on a lot of the rules lookup systems for them which was based on spreadsheets i was doing and you were just building uh yes no sort of tree of it so you know oh i want to know how to use this card in seven wonders and it would break down i was working on the the or as it would split so that the rules lookup was had everything in there but at that point in time it was all pretty much being done on separate bits of spreadsheets or other stuff there wasn't a piece of software that was like drag and drop or i could do to create the tutorials which is what i believe is what their intention is to do is that's what the next stage is is to make this thing available so that developers publishers can take this and produce their versions of the uh, tutorials i mean that's the biggest issue with dies is the problem is and i know obviously a lot of the gamers and and the thing is kicked off is that it it needs to play catch up it's is how relevant is this bit of kit and i think the trick that's been missed a little bit with Dyzed is the, they were thinking more the you know Yoni and the guys were thinking whilst they want to cater to us the hardcore gamers the players it was also more to do with getting the great muggle minority of gamers out there who don't play board games they play monopoly you know that's it and, it, and it's actually given a tool there eventually which is is your mum and 
Joe and Bar public sort of thing can pick up off a shelf and play these more complex games, which is why things like Ice Core and um, some of the, you know, what you would, what some gamers would say, well, that's not really a proper game. The idea was to get more stuff on there. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, so it's, it's, whilst it's, yes, it's cool for the gamers to pick up and it is a cool bit of kit. It was also about getting more people on just generally playing board games and making, you know, the biggest stumbling block of still is a rule book. Yeah, because so originally people. when... Yeah. I mean, uh, that's, what, that's one of the reasons got Sam on, like, is that he's, he comes the, up from an accessibility. Yes, angle. exactly, and that's what uh, we're impact talking about, really. have. Obviously, there's a, there's a number of people that can cater to, but it's like, well, you know, just, just read the rule book. You put the time in and, and learn the rules. And I kind of said, well, what if you're like an avid gamer or you really want to get into this and you literally can't read a rule book? Like you, you li- that literally is just a, a huge barrier for you. And it's like, you, you know, I, I've gone through the King Domino tutorial and I've had a look at the, um, it's Blood Rage yes, that's on there as well. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's kind of like, you know, and, and my partner was saying, um, when I told her that we were going to chat to you, it's kind of, and I showed her the app and it's kind of like, very often, you'll start reading a rule book. In the case of King Domino, probably not, because, again, it's talking about those more, like, simplistic games. But very often, you'll just go, oh, I can't be bothered to read. Let's just watch a video. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> and actually, it's really nice to go to the app where it's everything's in theme. Yep. Everything's very nicely explained. It's all kind of set out for you, and it's not someone who's trying to muddle through the rules no. for you in a video. Um, it's all very officially done and it's very, very nice to watch. You know, it's actually an enjoyable experience learning the rules in a sense. And I just think that, and you've just touched on that as well, that one of the problems it has at the moment is just breadth of games that are on there. And, but that's always going to be one of the problems and I, and, and I don't know how you can get around that. No, no absolutely. I mean, I think this is the development tool is their, is kind of their way mm. of trying to do it. They're, they're aware they can't keep up. There's no way of doing it and it takes them so long to develop this stuff in-house. If they can get people doing it, it will speed yeah. up that oh, process. completely. And that's what we, me and Ian were, were touching on that before we kind of started this chat together is kind of just how do you keep up with everything? Yeah. yeah. Like, because if this was a fully fledged app... That's a really, really valuable tool. Yes. If literally, like, I pick, if I go to the board game shop tomorrow, I pick up a game, I come home, the rule book's a bit fiddly, and I can just go onto the app and watch a really nice detailed video, like, that's almost indispensable. Like, that's really, really, really useful. Um, Especially when it then turns to, like, you know, really often when you're the only person in a group who knows how to play the game, you've got to set the game up, you've got to tell everyone how to play it. If you could just whack on a video, set the game up, and by the time you set the game up, they've watched the video on how to play it. That cuts out like 20 minutes of trying to teach people again. The cool thing with Dice, what kind of got me is it's, it's that one step more than a video as well. Because, it, I mean, it's designed that it will, and this is where I was involved in some of it, is it's not just talking you through the game. Um, it's the, the apps or the, the tutorials are designed around even straight from you opening a box, if you, you can set them. I know the ones they did on the, um, Race North Pole, and I think also um, King Domino might have it on there, is that you push a button and go, okay, well, look, I've, I'm literally unwrapping the box now. So It, it does. It, it says, have you opened yeah, your have box? you opened the box? And you can click no, and it shows you popping out the tokens, Everything. building your little castles. Yeah, it shows you the So lot. it literally talks you through the whole process. Lay the board out, do this, and that what it's doing is it, it kind of runs you through rounds and only tells you really what you need to know as you start playing so it's teaching you as you as you're setting up as you're playing to such a point where it kind of hands off and goes okay yeah that's everything and it's 
And it's those things that from like a having my like work hat on yeah. from an accessibility point of view, it's those things that Dyzed aren't necessarily talking about or maybe haven't thought about. Yeah. Which actually if if they pushed the whole kind of accessibility side of things as well, that's a whole other community who you can get interested in this. You know, um, and I think that's a really, really valuable tool there. No, well. I, I think um, that's almost where it's probably going to come into its own is is that style of stuff. I know that they were very passionate about, you know, that accessibility to everyone and, and making mm. that was the whole purpose of the app was to have something that anyone could then pick up and play a board game. And as you say, you know, you go to a charity shop and most of the stuff you find in the charity shop is usually someone's got bought it for Christmas. They take it home, look at it and they go, oh, I can't be asked to read that rule book. And then it ends up it never gets played. So that was that was definitely at the very base level was what initially what was driving the development of, of Dyes. Um, and they're kind of caught in that real... The problem is they're trying to appeal to the gamer market, which is huge, as we know. But the problem is the gamer market is going, well, you've not got no modern app. You've, nothing's on there. I, I want to have Rising Sun or I want to have, you know, this. I want to have the latest hotness on there. And it's never at this point going to be able to you know, deliver on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... Do you, do you know if they had did they have a sort of strong idea of how they were going to bring new companies on board? Like I, I had a look at the companies they've got on board already, but like the big boys are outsiders like Simon are noticeably missing. Like there's no there's no Fancy Flight in there. There's no Z Man. Like the the really big players. Yeah, I mean, I presume I there. know they were in discussions with um, some of these guys, and I know that you know I remember Christian Peterson when he was still with FG. There was discussions going on probably i'm presuming because i wasn't there sat with those meetings is that they've kind of gone their own route now asthma day and ffg so i imagine that was why at this point it didn't end up on there potentially i suppose should it reach a point where it's a platform that a lot of other people are on you kind of get the avalanche effect where they're like oh well the cool kids are on that we probably need to get ours on that that's what i was thinking as well as so they need one of those sort of big names on board to get everyone else to to come on board as well but then I suppose it's just, as, as we've been saying, having the tools to actually implement that across companies. It's like you can get people developer tools, but then who within that organization can actually then, who's, whose job is it to then do that? You know, do you have to create a job? Does that go to someone? Whereas the app developers themselves, obviously, you know, we're just saying like, Everyone wants the latest games on the app, but then that's so much development for those people that actually, is it more useful just to develop the tools for then companies to do that or something community-led or something like that but then does it just become a bit of a mess yes there's the danger of quality control as well i know uh, yeah it's, it's one of the questions i was going to pose to Di i haven't reached out to dice yet but i was going to reach out to them and say like okay you're going to do this developer kit how do you control the quality across 50 different companies yeah i mean i'm interested at some point i'm going to get my hands on that and i do i'm interested to see how it's going to work because they have said always as soon as we've got it working then you can have a play and yeah. i'm like brilliant can't wait we're interested to just see how that's going to function yeah um yeah it's a it's a it, i know originally back when i was on board with them part of the plan was they were already kind of going well, we might go down this route of doing it and they would offer the option of to a publisher look we can do, build this for you in-house but you're going to have to pay for this privilege to have this done for you by us or you've got the option b which is essentially that's probably how some of the monetization of the fig would work is that you know if ffg turn up and go well we want Eldridge Ha and Arkham Ha and da 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 on there, then we're going to pay you this, then that's how you're going to make some money. And is that not what's happened with the, um, did you say, Ian, it's the Eclipse 2? Yeah, so Eclipse 2nd Edition, and that was, a, the dice was a stretch goal yes. uh, on, on there. 
which I think is a really good way of implementing that. So it's telling the public that, you know, for a certain amount, and something like Eclipse 2 is probably going to make that amount anyway, and if that's an extra feature you can get, then that's that's fantastic. Uh, uh, so you, you touched briefly on there on, like, sort of their, their business model and, like, get, like the potential of, like, getting money from big companies to, to do a thing for them, uh, and that's certainly one way they could go. Do you, do you think, like, their current model of sort of, like, credits and monthly subscriptions, do you think that that's a sustainable model as they go down the line? I don't know. It's a battle because we were even... I mean, if you were following the original project, there was a certain point in early in the project, actually, there was a little bit of a U-turn on what we were and offering more because initially, I can't remember how it really worked originally, but there was changes even then on the Indiegogo about what we were offering and how people were going to use it. And it, that was the battling point I had and numerous people had was like, what is the sustainable model of this thing you know if if you're not delivering the content are people aren't going to want to subscribe to you yeah i mean ideally you'd want to like buy a board game take it home scan something in the board game with the app and then have the rule book well, up. you don't want to yeah, pay for that the rule book that again, was kind of right? yeah exactly that was kind of my take on it and it may well evolve into that was like you know if you've got these guys on board and you're going to offer the side you know the side game is going to be on there then fine and maybe jamie stegmaier pays you this x amount of money and then he gets a qr code on the front of his rule book and he's paid his bit to you so that the publishers are paying you not the end user and you go home you scan it and you get your demo of scythe that seems more personally to me more sustainable and because the problem you've always got if you're going back to the well of taking the money from uh the end user and they've already as you say they've already paid for the game they've already got all the stuff so they didn't have to pay again yeah that's that's a that's a better pill to swallow that one yeah, that's where you're going to get the, the, the um, up in arms and the flames and the flaming torches and gamers will turn on you. So, I mean, I, I think they're very cautious on that. And I know originally what they were looking to do with those early subscribers on there was obviously offering more than just the demos was community features with, you know, stuff, that, other bits and pieces that would allow you to a find groups or have your own groups on there, score trackers, you know, things like Twazi, that sort of stuff. So it was doing a lot of his own stuff. But again, it's like that's a monstrous thing to assemble so i'd suspect we'll probably see as they move i don't know what the plans are for the kickstarter version I, i've not been involved in that so i don't know what they're going to be offering at that point yeah, yeah. um details are a little sparse just now. yeah I'm, I'll, I'll reach out and have a chat with the guys but um i was always very cautious at the time and said if you go another route with this you, you're gonna have to be very careful because you've got a bunch of guys already paid you for indiegogo and if you then go into kickstarter you could find yourselves in a very very you know awkward situation i mean i had a little read around today um uh sort of facebook forums and that kind of thing and there is already some mumbling of like well do the kickstarter backers get a better deal than us should i back the indiegogo that kind of yeah. thing already those sort of mumblings that's going it's, on. i mean that's going to happen there's no way of dodging that yeah. particular bullet especially now it's already run through that i think i mean indiegogo was originally chosen because it was for tech startup is really good for tech startup uh, and it was able to allow them to offer to do some of the extra stuff they wanted to do with the campaign that you weren't because they wanted to do the raffle and some other stuff on there well kickstarter won't allow you to do any of that stuff so that was kind of the route they went at the time there was there was between the office we were offers were like oh you should have really done kickstarter because just that's got the much wider reach i'll be interested to see how it how it plays out i who knows <laughs> yeah so yeah it will be interesting to see them going back to crowdfunding and whether that I mean, I don't know if that speaks to them being in financial difficulties or not. Or I think, I mean, there's just there's the issue is there's a very small team which makes it sustainable to point with them because um, there isn't many of them doing it. But there is, you know, there is a finite 
you know amount of cash in that pool i mean i know they had a, i i know there's obviously been investors in, involved and i don't know who's actually there they have had some extra investors come in to help fund the company um and um so they've got some monetary flow in there but yes one has to go to the point of how sustainable is it before you start having a problem um I mean, I think they, they've got their heads screwed on straight. And I think the issue is they've, they've never, for one of, they want to produce this thing. They want to offer it to the, the community. Um, and just sometimes it's like they've tried to, I think they tried to run before they were ready to walk at the point with the Indiegogo. Um, because the battle is we were producing content as that project was going. There wasn't all of the demos available at that point in time. At least now going to Kickstarter, you've got Scythe on there. I'm not Scythe. You've got Blood Rage on there as a fully working thing you got king domino on there so there's there's a proof of concept at that point in time we touched on uh, earlier with asmodee digital um sort of producing their own apps do you th- do you think maybe that the dice has kind of missed its opportunity to make an impact now that companies are turning to app-based tech a lot more you're seeing that integrated into board games more as we move forward like in the next couple of years i imagine we'll see a lot more app-based games or just app helpers or for games certainly um, and whether they've sort of missed missed the opportunity maybe a little bit. Here's a, here's a wonder. I don't know. I mean, at the moment, the Asmodee stuff is, most of their stuff is kind of like enhancements to their games. Things like Matches of Madness and, um, you know, the the Descent apps and stuff. So they're not, they're not producing something which is rules-based. And I don't, and there's been a few other things and people tried stuff. I've seen other stuff kind of, I think there was another app trying to do similar, but hasn't really, uh, I can't even remember the name of it now, but... I don't. I, it all depends. Uh, I, me- I remember something. I remember seeing something briefly yeah. flash in the pan, but I don't think everything. No, I think it did. Um, I mean, if they could stay the course on it, uh, with what it, if it goes back to the basics of the accessibility, if it's if it's trying to just teach people to play games, and it and they get that market side of it nailed, I think that's the route. It's trying to decide where they want to be in the marketplace. And really, if they were to stick their guns on, we want this to be you know as we've said already this label everyone to be able to play pick up a board game and play it then that's invaluable and i think can they develop more um tools on there or more games on there and have more of a catalog then that might actually make them down the road be much more of a of a carrot dangle to the some of these bigger boys that might go oh actually now we can see how valuable that bit of kit is yeah, especially if they can get on board with big kickstarts like Eclipse and that kind of thing. If they can get on as part of that momentum, that, that'd be really good. I mean, them. having been to say, when I was at the Essen show and seeing the the publishers then, how excited they were by seeing that running and what it was doing. You know, that was that was a, seeing that happen. That was really when the buzz really started. So, and it kind of has fallen, I guess, by the wayside at this point in time. But what you kind of need is, is a call mini to have that set up on their stand, you know. Come play Blood Rage, bluff, there's a dice thing. I mean, the opportunities for board game cafes, if they could get more titles on that. Yeah, just, yeah. We, 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 don't, we don't need to employ people to teach you. You can just, here's, here's an iPad. Yeah, yeah, there's an iPad, here's a catalog of games. You know, we want to take that off your, off your game shelf and play that. Then there's so many options and opportunities for it. But I, I suppose, who do you get to pay for it? <laughs> it's the problem. Yeah, that, that's, that's the thing. There's, yeah. there's huge potential, but yeah, who pays for it is the ultimate question there. Yeah. Um, and I suppose at the moment is them getting end users to pay for it is is a finite pool of things and what you're going to offer. Yeah, because I, I was looking at the I was looking at the Indiegogo and the credits and monthly subscription, and neither of those really appealed to me. And I, I'm quite interested in the app, and I think it's quite a good idea. The the money problem is always the it's always the big yeah, and I think <laughs> it's always the hardest that's problem. That's going to be the bane of its life. Is I think that's going to be the killer, you know, or make it rise is how that comes out of it. You know, how is it going to work? Um, and that's probably the biggest bugbear of the whole of the dice thing is who's paying for it and how's it going to work 
I mean, I guess in the end, one thing they might try and do is basically sell the tech to like Asmodee Digital. Maybe that's what maybe that's what they're trying for with the developer kits. Yeah, I'd be interested to see how the developer kit works because if it does what it should do, then that will open the gates to have obviously a lot more stuff. So many more things yes. in a much quicker space would, of time, and, that, and that's what yeah, it if wants. That, if that it, works, you know? and if the developer kit works, and they start getting titles on there, then you might well see a totally different change on that thing. It could it could alter it entirely um, if you've suddenly got a, this backlog of games appearing on it. That's what's going to drive that app. If it's not got people's games, they don't want to play it. They ain't going to use it. Well, thanks very much for coming on today, Mike, and uh, telling us a bit about your experience with Dice and having a chat with us about the future of that app. That's right. It was lovely to talk to you guys. Charles. Thank you, Mike, for that interview. Sounded very enthusiastic. Yeah, I think that's the thing that really came across from Mike. He's still got a great relationship with the guys who run Dice. He's still very enthusiastic about the app. And it was interesting to hear from him being on the ground at Essen and that sort of thing and seeing publishers really enthusiastic for the app, what it could potentially do as well. As you heard in the interview there, there's some, a lot of potential for like things like game cafes, for smaller publishers at cons to use the app to demo their games so they don't have to be running around all the time, so they don't have to have like huge numbers of staff. Um, so that could be a really good use of it. No, yes, absolutely. And the discussion that you had regarding who was going to pay for the the dies tutorial, was it going to be the publisher, was it going to be the end user? I think that's very prevalent, especially if you're bringing in places like gaming cafes, because then is it the cafe pays for it and then everyone can use it? Initially in the Indiegogo campaign, there was uh, credits you get as a backer for the campaign. And what those will be eventually be able to be used is sort of in Dice store to be able to get access to tutorials and that kind of thing. That credit system, as we understand it from Jared's interview that's coming up, will not be like a, a constant thing. Uh, you'll be able to just pay money or subscribe or some stuff will be free as well. Uh, but that all will be covered in the Jared interview a little bit later on. Crucially, for that to be redeemed, you will need products. And yes, they have three products right now and as you discussed it was how are they going to keep up with it have they potentially missed the boat uh, when it comes to this idea are other companies for example asmodee with their asmodee digital um, feature are they maybe pushing their own mark on this and are they going on the same direction? yeah we are seeing yeah. more uh, app integration from people like asmodee digital um with their games, uh, app integration into actual board games, and we may eventually see more tutorial stuff, like we've got digital apps coming out for Keyforge, for X-Wing, we've got a lot of that stuff, so it may be that Dice has missed a boat on that. If uh, if other companies are already going down the app path, we might see integration of rulebooks, facts, and that kind of thing into those apps. My, my point I'd like to make is, I, yes, these, Asma Digital is making headway with x-wing with keyforged with mansions of madness for example these are all apps that are integrated into the game and are part of it they are part of that community yeah yeah they're not fulfilling the part of the the rule book yeah exactly those apps are not exactly uh, replacements for the dyes app and dyes are a little bit enthusiastic about being able to sort of run alongside um the apps for other companies as well as you'll hear in the general interview that's coming up speaking of that we wanted an insider's view on Dyzed as a company, so we reached out and got an interview with Jared Miller, who is Dyzed's marketing and media manager. Jared talks about his perspective on the upcoming Kickstarter, the viewpoint of the company on the status and future of the app. So 
Sam and I are joined this evening by Jared Miller from the Dized app. Uh, we're going to have a wee bit of chat with Jared about uh, his involvement with Dized and the sort of road path for the, for the app and how that's looking and their upcoming Kickstarter campaign. Uh, welcome to the show, Jared. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It's a pleasure. Yeah, very nice to have you on. So could you give us sort of a wee bit of background about how you got involved with Dized and what your current role is with the company? Yeah, so um, I actually am uh, fairly new to uh, the team. I joined back in July of this year, so shortly before Gen Con. Um, I was at uh, CMON for about four years before that, and uh, I decided to kind of move on from there and kind of explore what else was in the games industry. And I uh, had previously worked a bit with the guys from Dyes because of Blood Rage, because I was the marketing manager at CMON, so I was uh, pretty involved with making sure sure they had the the nicest uh, graphics and stuff they could get so they could you know put those into the app and then we kind of got to talking after I uh, I decided to leave Simon and so now I'm there and I'm doing um, marketing and social media management um, because as you kind of noted earlier um, we have an upcoming Kickstarter so I joined their team to kind of help get prepared uh, for that and that's the, the quick summary of what I've been up to. <laughs> Well, that leads quite nicely to my next question, which is about the upcoming Kickstarter. You guys have taken the decision to go back to crowdfunding after the Indiegogo campaign uh, last year. And uh, so I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about the, the, what led to that decision to go back to crowdfunding and what the, what Dyes are hoping to get from the campaign. Yeah, so um, at, like you said, over, a little over a year ago, they did Indiegogo, and that's what really helped uh, Playmore, who are the developers, um, get Dyes out there and get the kind of talking about it and get what the early access is now because everyone can download it now in early access on ios and android but obviously it's it's right now it's only a f three tutorials so it's not the full experience indiegogo is what helped make that possible and getting the ball started um with that said the new Kickstarter isn't to isn't to finish it. What the new Kickstarter is is going to grow a um, the community. Uh, Indiegogo has a, a smaller base than than Kickstarter, right? Um, but it was the right choice for the Dized app at the time. Now we feel like with this proof that look, we can do what we were saying because back during Indiegogo, it was literally just a dream and an idea. Now, you know, that we have these tutorials. It's like, no, this is what we mean. So we can go to Kickstarter with this product that you can actually get your hands on and kind of reach that larger community. Um, with that, we're looking at adding some new, uh, new features, which I'm not really ready to talk about right this second. Um, but it, it is something where it's not just going to be the same campaign because that's important to us because we already had, you know, we had a dedicated group who helped make this happen. So we're honoring the time and financial commitment they gave us you know they've waited a year they also put money into making this happen um so we're we're thinking about them we're thinking about new people and we're thinking about um you know what to do with kickstarter to make it kind of unique so um one of the other things is um you know that that the the community is important to us because it's with that that we can show publishers that you know there is this desire to have it we have a lot of publishers who are already interested but the more people you have who are supporting the campaign or downloading the app, uh, the more interested the publishers are to get their content on there. 
was the original plan from the Indiegogo campaign to have the, the full app out in August? Because I, I was a little unclear on that, because originally I thought it was meant to be the full app, and now you, uh, in the recent Q&A and the press release that sort of started this ball rolling with us getting in touch with you, Dice said that they were going to be moving to sort of more an updating kind of methodology for the app rather than like having a solid release date. They would sort of incrementally update yeah, it. Yeah, so their original plan um, was that, yes, ideally the kind of quote-unquote full app would be out. Now, with with an app of this nature, which is basically like a home to tutorials for every board game out there. It's never complete, I mean, that take, kind of thing. Yeah. Right, exactly. It's like it's never going to be done, you know, especially because they want, I mean, they want, card games like tabletop games rpgs ccgs like all of that like the sky's the limit for the app it can kind of handle anything um so with that said though it was i think the original idea when it was presented was that yes you would have this very um what released you know app by this time uh but what happened was uh it was kind of like building like the first house that was built someone was like i want to build a really nice house we have no uh, real blueprints that have come before us to modify off of. So we're kind of, you know, going into this new frontier by ourselves. So Blood Rage took them about four months to make that tutorial, which quickly showed that, oh, this isn't going to be a sustainable thing if it's going to take a tutorial four months to make, right? Which is why they pivoted into uh, making sure this early access got out to show that it is being worked on and it is in development. But now, like you said, those incremental releases, because we're working on tools right now, and these tools are tools that will help us make animated tutorials like they see in like a person would see in the app now and the interactive rules. Um, so these tools are what is being focused on right this moment, because once those are done, our internal team and publishers will have access to these to kind of churn these out faster. So instead of four months, you're looking at more of like four weeks which is a much better proposition, right? Uh, and makes getting, you know, all of those board games on there. So that's why it kind of, it switched from that, this is when it's going to be out to its early access right now. And then it will slowly update and eventually it will be out of early access. It doesn't mean it's always going to be early access. No, of course. But the app itself is still in some development too, where we're like, figuring out what features work best and just making sure the store works. But as of right now, we just wanted to get something out there so people could see what it's going to be like. Yeah, I, th I think gamers are a little more tolerant of that kind of thing, the sort of early access kind of stuff, because they're familiar with it through like Steam and that kind of thing, that, that idea that people want to get a product out there to show that it exists yeah. and then sort of like finish it later kind of thing. I think the community as well is really familiar with kickstarter as a platform yeah like completely comfortable with that yeah. as a platform and it's tried and tested in the in the industry really mm -hmm. um that i think doing a campaign on there people are gonna very much understand the the, the ins and outs of it essentially yeah and it's it's been interesting because indiegogo while it is very similar to kickstarter is still one of those things that people do shy away from that compared to kickstarter as well so that's another like you said like people are especially mm -hmm. gamers we're very familiar with kickstarter yeah yeah, Indiegogo's got that slightly, slightly dodgy reputation here and there around it. It's just a slightly yeah, it's odd platform. Because it worked out great for us. Indiegogo was fantastic. Yeah, right? totally. Like, working with that platform was great. The p users were great. But it is, it just has that, it's not Kickstarter, right? Um, and it's not saying anything against it. It's just that perception. It doesn't quite have the same legitimacy. As yeah, that, which as is odd because does. it's a totally yeah. legitimate platform. You yeah. know, it's yeah. just one yeah. of those, like you said, it's like, especially tabletop gamers. I mean, it's like the biggest thing on Kickstarter, right? So 
it kind of makes sense. Like, while this is not a tabletop game, it's fully related yeah, to Yeah, the, the there were some stats earlier in the year of like something like 30% of all Kickstarter's money is from tabletop gaming. Yeah, or something it's, ridiculous. it's huge. It's just, just huge. Ridiculous numbers. So we really, really like the sound of the development, the, the developer's tools. Mm -hmm. And the, that seems, as obviously you guys thought and, and the team thought, that's the logical step. Yeah. That it's handing those tools to developers mm -hmm. um, to, to create that content, as you were saying. Four months to make one, one tutorial isn't realistic in the grand schemes of trying to get it out there as widespread as possible. Right. Um, but we just want to know, does that lead to lots of people developing tutorials for a single app? Or does that lead to um, developers coming to you with something that you may feel isn't up to scratch with other tutorials on, on the app? And basically, just how do you plan to keep quality the same across different games if the company themselves aren't necessarily des um, developing those tutorials? Yeah, so actually, that's a great question. It's actually a big concern of ours as well, because what we're showing people in early access, we want them to be able to expect that from the future tutorials. So Yeah, and I, I, I had a flick through the... Um, ice cool mm -hmm. tutorial before this and things like all the voice acting yes. and like the comic strip at the beginning yeah. um is is great i've just borrowed king domino from sam so i'm planning to use the dice app to awesome. teach myself that just to yeah. get to so when we actually come to put this cat this cast out we can actually say i've yeah. actually used this and here's my experience of it yeah like, and so you know that's that is, so that's important to us like as you'll see with king domino and as you saw with ice cool there is um there's a there's a certain there's a style to them and they're very high quality and those are ones of course we've made in house. Now with that said, we are taking those and that's influencing how we develop the um, app or the uh, creation tools um, because we want to be able to basically make it so a publisher could make that quality. With that said, obviously it's going to take a little bit of a learning curve. But we are going to have a team once it gets to the point of releasing the tutorial creation tool, which we don't expect the actual tool for the tutorials to be available until 2019 because that's a very in-depth process. The rules tool, which is um, you'll see in King Domino, there's um, interactive rules where you can type in questions and see all the rules laid out very nice and organized. Um, that tool is coming out uh, very soon. I I want to say within a couple of weeks, but it's it's very soon. Um, either way, with the tutorial, what will happen is they will submit it to us, and then we will have a review system where we go through it, we make sure it's working right, we make sure it's up to, to snuff with uh, these previous ones. Because like you said, we don't want it to be... Because it doesn't help anyone if one publisher or one company is known for putting out tutorials that just aren't as good as another one, right? Because we want all of them to be seen as... We want it to feel like a cohesive system, which means those tutorials all need to have uh, pretty similar levels of production. Yeah, you, you don't want to come around back to step one, basically, of like, well, we're trying to solve a problem with real books, and if the tutorials aren't great, you're basically back at square right. one again. So we're, um, we're taking all of those, uh, what we've done, and putting that into the tools to start with. And then as companies, maybe if a company sees something like we need a certain animation or we need something that is quite unique to our game to be able to show on this, they can come to us with that and we can add that into the creation tools. So that's something where also working with these publishers is going to help us further develop these tools so that every tutorial has what a company is going to need and has what a future company will need. And then, like we said, with those peer reviews, 
we will make sure that, you know, they have like the audio they need or, you know, whatever. If they say it's, you know, also in French, we'll make sure that it actually has French language, you know, stuff like that. And of course, that's going to take time as well, but it's still going to be uh, a lot shorter turnaround than that whole four month thing. Um, you know, so we don't have it exactly worked out yet, but that is top of our mind for once these tools come out to make sure that what these tools are creating are going to be very similar to what we put out now. Sure. Um, one, th one thing we were thinking is that there's definitely, and we've just covered this on the latest episode of the podcast as well, is the rise in app integration, just in board games in general. Mm -hmm. I suppose more mainstream, we're looking at things like Fantasy Flight, so Mansions of Madness. They've talked a lot about that in the upcoming Keyforge game that they've got coming out, um, X-Wing, um, that they've just bought out. Um, do you feel that that might be a problem for the app, or do you see that something as running alongside and we just want to know where that kind of sits so i think you know i think obviously if a game is purely made to work with an app there's going to be something to it where we can't replace that right if a game yeah something like xcom or something like that where it's heavily instant yeah heavily top of my mind yeah. is something like xcom because you know now who, who who says that if they don't come to us we can't work it in there but you know it's one of those that i think that there is still some of that where these games can coexist because if an app yep. is part of it, but not say the key to playing the entire game, there's nothing in our app that can't stop you from kind of incorporating that. Obviously it gets a little weird if it's like you have one app telling you to go to another app. So that's something that you, we have to figure out. And I don't necessarily have the right answer for that because it, it's hard to tell. You know, but I think there is a certain amount of where you can coexist, um, especially if it's like I said, it's an app that's not, say, key to playing the game. Um, there's nothing to say that those features might not be able to be present in Dized as well. Um, obviously, it's nothing official. Um, and it's right now we're just kind of looking for the core of getting the like tutorials down for games that yeah. it's the easiest to do. But, um, you know, I think that's another reason why Dies though, is going to be seen um, and welcomed by people because uh, app integration and, you know, that like that integration into tabletop games is becoming more common than it was, you know, every year it's becoming a little more common, right? Yeah. So I think that's what will make it easier for people to go, oh, well, I can, I can use, you know, this app to teach me the yeah. game. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It's kind of a non-answer to your question, I think, but um, <laughs> well, I think it makes sense. Yeah. Though. Yeah. It's a, it's a tricky one to answer because it really depends how how that stuff yeah, keeps going. Yeah, it's just hard, and you know I'm not the one who necessarily does the development, so the, the developer may go, "No, I have the perfect solution for this," and Jared doesn't know what he's <laughs> yeah. talking about. But you know, um, I think there's a way where we we try to make it work, and we've even talked about before of introducing digital expansions with Dized, where there be there might be something in the game where if you get the digital expansion through dies, you know, it actually adds a little something to the game. All right, cool. Almost like DLC and exactly. content and stuff. That's really exactly. interesting. Because oh, some games, cool. it's like you may not need an extra card to actually add something. You know, you may not need that physical component, whereas you could think of a cool way that a, a digital app could add a little something to a game, even if it's purely a physical-based game. So, Yeah, or like a different game exactly. mode introduced, some, exactly. something like that, yeah. yeah. Well, I like that. That's cool. Um, yeah. Something I, I was thinking about when we first kind of started doing these, um, putting together this kind of episode. Um, so personally, professionally, I work in um, access for people with additional support mm -hmm. needs. 
um, mainly looking at events and things like that. But when I came to this app and first started playing around, I was thinking that this is absolutely fantastic for people who might have a real passion and desire to play games, but physically, for whatever reason, can't sit down with a rule book and learn that. And I just wanted to know if that was something you'd thought about or thought about pushing, because I think in that community, this could be huge, potentially. You know? Yeah, so um, for me, uh, especially coming to to Dyes, the, the part that I found so awesome about it was just the idea of accessibility to mm-hmm. so many people, right? Not Not yeah. just your average gaming group, but to someone like you said who may not be able to sit down and read that rule book this gives them a way to get into board games that they weren't able to before because sure you could watch a video or have someone explain it to you but that's boring in a sense and this is interactive and yeah and that's the difference so i love rodney smith um i love watching his videos super nice guy watch a plate is great i did a lot of work with him when i was at Simon. Um, but that's something where I turn on Rodney if I'm at lunch or something like that, right? Because you, yeah. you can't watch a video and play the game at the same time. I mean, you could, yeah. but it's not the, the best way. And especially if you have, you know, if, if you have trouble kind of transferring from that video that in that memory to actually sitting down and playing the board game, Dyes gives that accessibility of like, okay, I can do this thing immediately and get immediate feedback yeah. from the app players can do it put it back into the app the app then tells you what happens next so for us uh that was a huge part of it is to making sure anyone could get into board games if they want to Mm. through this right so if you don't have that expert or you don't have the ability uh if you don't have the rule book or if there's just something holding you back from the board game we're hoping that dies can help get you into that with this so that is definitely a huge part of that um awesome yeah accessibility is huge i think um in you know board games it's it's all about community, so getting people together and actively just playing and not having to sit through those explanations or worry about experience. Like if the three of us who are experienced board game players, right, sat down with something, someone completely new to the hobby, we would be on the same level with this app, right? It would teach yeah. us in the same way and teach us this game, and we would all know what's going on and not have to worry about that weird skill gap. Um, that some players yeah. might have to worry about. So yeah, I'd like to talk a little bit about sort of like the future for dies, like uh, the business model as as the app releases more and as you sort of release developers tools to mm-hmm. to publishers. Uh, one of the things we noticed recently was you had a little bit of Kickstarter integration with the Eclipse yes. Kickstarter. You were you're a stretch goal in that. Is that something you're planning to do more of down the line? So basically, dies will be at the forefront of like new hot games coming out. Dies will be there as a rules add-on. Have you got sort of more sort of tie-ins coming. So we're like definitely that. talking to people. For us, that was huge because um, we, I mean, obviously we're going to think this. We think Dyes is a great stretch goal for any campaign because what's yeah. nice is it's incredibly low cost because you don't have to produce anything new for your game, right? There's no new parts. It's just, you know, a matter of spending the time to get that into Dyes. So we've talked to a lot of publishers as coming in and saying listen this is a um this is a great value add for your customers and for you without increasing your campaign costs really that much because there is depending on how um and we can kind of get into this in a minute but depending on how rules are used or um delivered to uh the tutorials are delivered to the consumer because a um a publisher can choose if they want uh consumers to buy it or if it will be free 
you know, there's some deals in the background, but it's it's really cheap because you don't have to spin up new molds for miniatures or print new cards. So in terms of dies being part of Kickstarters, we would love that. And we're talking to a lot of people. I don't have anything to announce right now, um, but it is something that for us is a huge thing. And that's why, you know, that's one of the benefits of us not being like a huge game publisher is because we're also not, uh, there's no real conflict of interest there. You know, so it's like we can be part of all of your campaigns because it's not, yeah, you know, yeah. we're not owned by any one person or anything like that. Um, so for Kickstarters, yes, um, that was huge. And we are talking to a lot of people, um, even going back and talking to Kickstarters that are already finished as a sure. This is yeah. something fun you could add, you know, even now. Any any particular ones you're targeting? Just basically uh, kind of any of them. I can't. I don't want to say anything right now, um, but any <laughs> of the, the bigger ones uh, and even smaller ones we, we've we've gone and talked to. But um, if our sure. if our business manager Matthew was on here, I would let him spill beans if he wanted to. But <laughs> I'm not going to step on his toes right now, um, just in case. Uh, in the end, um, dies will need some kind of uh, revenue mm-hmm. stream to to continue to exist, um, whether that's from coming direct from publishers or from customers buying rule books that kind of thing how how exactly is dice business model going to work effectively what's the cost to me of a rule book and the tutorial for a game um okay so right now in early access they're all free so Mm -hmm. basically any of the ones that uh we produce so you'll see there's three on there right now blood rage king domino ice pool and then there's like 10 more on there that we have just right now um, anything we make is always going to be free on there because we're making it in house. Okay. You know, we've done a deal with that publisher and that's just how it's going to be. Uh, also sure. any of the rules, which are again, what you can see in King Domino right now, those interactive rules, um, the yep. rules will always be free. So that means we get to your question of the tutorials and kind of money for that. Right. And then of course, in the future, digital expansions. So um, this is where it comes down to a publisher preference. So let's say, for example, uh, there's a publisher who wants to do tutorial for their Kickstarter game. They could choose to have it be a free code that they give to all their Kickstarter backers so they could get the download for free. And then that's just a, then there's a deal, you know, in the back end of um, costs for publishers, but the user would get it for free. Publisher could also decide that they're going to charge whatever they want for the tutorial. Obviously, we give them a recommended amount. We haven't sold anything yet to that price, but usually it's going to be a couple bucks. It's nothing too expensive because we don't want a huge price barrier, right? No. And what's nice about that is if the publisher chooses to pay a charge for that, they actually get a cut of this money. So it's another way for users that are actually supporting. um, We actually get a smaller cut. Um, I don't... uh, the, The exact amount isn't out there, but... The, the publisher gets a majority of the money and then we get basically kind of service fees for hosting and things like that. Yeah, um, sure. And what's actually nice about that and what a lot of publishers have decided to do is that um, let's say a new, or when we've talked to them about doing this in the future, they've liked the idea of basically say it's a new game. There's a code in the box. You go to the app, you enter that code, you get the tutorial for free because you bought the game. Yeah, I was, I was about to ask that because you, you get this in role-playing games a little bit with the Bits and Mortar yes. initiative that people like um, Evil yep. Hat are involved with, that kind of thing, where you buy the RPG and you get the digital version. Exactly. Free. Like I just, I picked up the Vampire RPG during um, yeah. you know, Gen Con and I got the PDF for that. And it's nice because yeah, yeah. 
you sometimes yeah, just it's good tap. to have a book yeah. i like having books on my shelf but sometimes it's nice mm -hmm. to just have that pdf um so similar idea you know you get the code you get the tutorial for free um now let's say you buy your game secondhand or you're at a cafe um and you're checking out the game that's when you could go to the app and actually if the if the publisher is deciding to charge for it you throw down your dollar or two dollars or whatever and buy it and so that's a great way for secondhand games to still support the publisher right so sure. that's or they could just choose to give it away for free at all times so and there will be some ads and i just while i'm thinking about it there will be some ads in the app okay and uh again that's something we're still working on but um that that could lead to possibly some tutorials being ad supported possibly um, if, but ideally, you know, nothing that's going to interrupt the ad or nothing that's going to, so it's not going to be like you're doing the tutorial and then all of a sudden an ad cuts you off. Yeah. Please, please watch this 30 seconds. about Maybe you watch yeah. an ad and then you get to download the tutorial because that's the other important part is you're not streaming the tutorial, right? Um, you're downloading it to your app. So you only need that connection to get the tutorial that when you're going to use it so in case like your cafe or your house doesn't have great reception you can download it and then still use it but basically they you could get it for free if the publisher wants to give it to you for free or you pay and the publisher gets a cut or if it's from us it's always going to be free there was talking during the indiegogo campaign of like uh, two different sort of methods of buying stuff like a sort of subscription model or credits effectively is, is that sort of still the plan like people can sort of subscribe uh, like a yearly fee to basically get access to everything or sort of buy piecemeal as they want. Yeah, so those um, those credits um, are only going to be for the crowdfunding aspect of it because that's just the easiest way to kind of um, give uh, kind of value to our backers while we don't have exact sure. prices. You know, oh, right, okay, so right. um, I uh, so people who do Indiegogo and people who do Kickstarter will be getting those credits that you mentioned. But in reference to the subscription thing, that is something we want to introduce, but we want to introduce it when it makes sense. Um, you know, it sure. doesn't, yeah, once there's enough right. content on there, so uh, that is something we'll do, and you know, we'll have. We're, we've already started discussing prices that would make sense for that because again we want it to be affordable mm -hmm. but with that you would have full access to everything on the app sure and again we want to wait to launch that until it makes sense though because if we launch it too early it just looks like yeah. a bad deal uh, right um, yeah of course so that is something we have we have planned and that will be a choice you can have so if you just want access to the whole thing you will be able to subscribe eventually uh, we mentioned game cafes briefly there. Is there any thought as to like sort of a game cafe basically getting a sort of subscription for multiple iPads or, or something like that uh, along those lines that they can basically use Dice as a, a sort of in-house tutorial yeah, so kind of thing for that's themselves? That's something uh, we, we definitely are thinking about how we can work with retailers. Again, uh, or like cafes, uh, retail shops, um, things like that, uh, any of those friendly local game stores. You know, we don't have an exact plan worked out, but it is something we've talked to them. We have investors in our company who are actual game store owners. You know, we have uh, the... It, it, so that stuff's important to us, right? And this stuff is kind of ready-made. Uh, Dyes is ready-made to support selling games at those type of environments. Yeah. Because, you know, if I own a small store... It's, it can be hard to pay someone to stand at a table all day because they have other important yeah. things to do in the store, right? But being able to say, like, here's this, here's these iPads or whatever secured to a table and they can walk people through a game. So that's something I think we, we are thinking about. We yeah. don't have solid plans yet, but working with um, 
retailers, cafes, I mean, even conventions, um, it helps take a load yeah. off of volunteers, right? If you can have one person running multiple tables using dies, like that's kind of what I envision, yeah. right? Um, you have yeah. a, you can have your strong demo squad, but have even more tables running that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, that all sounds really cool. Um, you have just released the Ice Cold mm-hmm. tutorial. Uh, what, uh, what game can we sort of expect next from the sort of internal well, team? So right now... We, we haven't announced what we have next because we are really focusing on the content creation tools. Um, yeah. yeah. We are, we're still a small team, so if we put too much focus, we, we basically need to focus in on something. And it's unfortunate that what that means is, you know, there's not as much content coming out while we're focusing on the creation tools. But I think the, the key thing yeah. to think about and that we kind of keep telling people um, is that once the tools are out, that content will be so much faster. So yeah. right now yeah. I don't have another game to announce. It's just that the content creation tools are being worked on. Rules will be out first. Sure. And then um, in 2019, we'll have the tutorial tools. But um, also the thing is because it's early access, you know, it's, I, it, it, it's, it's one of those interesting things because it's out there. People want more. Right. And we want to yeah. have more on there, but it's also that balance of like, this is kind of a taste of what's to come, you know? So, um, it's, it's a hard balance, but those games from us, you can like the games that you see in the library that are grayed out right now, those, once we get our tools on track, those are what will be coming from us next. I don't have a specific order. Um, but you know, sure. we have ones that we would love, like we would love to get scythe out on there. Um, everybody wants yeah. scythe on there. Um, Please don't sure. think that his scythe is coming next week because it's not. Um, that is a, you heard it here first, folks. That is a tough nut to crack. Um, yeah, I can imagine. Know, but, uh, right now, it's really focusing on on those tools so that we can just really rapidly speed up uh, the output of all of that and catch up with the hundreds of thousands yeah. of games that are out there. Do you have a, a sort of date for the Kickstarter that's coming? So um, we, it, it is soon. Um, I. <laughs> I will say that we are aiming for October. Um, originally, we were sure. uh, talking uh, September, but um, yeah. we we want to launch when it makes sense. We don't want to rush it out. Um, and a big no. thing for us is making sure that that rules tool is done because we want to get it out there and show people what we are are um, mm. what we have been working on, right? Because we we understand sure. how us just saying we're working on this, we're working on this it's easier to believe when you actually start seeing some stuff from it, you know? So yeah, we, yeah. we're pretty on track and we're looking at, I don't have an exact date, but we're, we're looking at launching in October. So uh, thanks very much for joining us, Jared. It's been really interesting to chat to you. Uh, thanks for answering all the questions and yeah, really excited to see Dyes evolve in the future. It sounds really cool. Thank you so much for having me guys. Thank you very much for that, Jared. It's very clear that he and the company is aware, as you said earlier, of all the problems on the potential pitfalls that they may fall into during this campaign and using Dyzed as a, as a yeah, tool. Yeah, I think I actually came out of that interview so much more enthusiastic about the app as when I went in, in a sense that it almost sounds like they're fully aware, as you say, of those problems. And I think Jared had very clear and concise answers as to what they've thought about for those problems and how to fix those problems. And I think there are answers that do make sense. I think a lot of people might not be happy with some of them, thinking like, oh, I'm kickstarting this, but then I might have to pay for X and Y rulebook down the road. But when you really 
start to think about it, what other ways are there that that can happen without having dized as just this 10, 20 pounds app that you buy straight up? As a skeptical one of our pair of our interviewees, uh, I did actually come out of that interview with a lot more enthusiasm for the app. The guy, uh, Jared, certainly seems to have his head screwed on. He had a lot of good answers to our questions about difficulties behind uh, getting publishers on board, how the financial model is going to work down the line. Because in the end, this is going to come down to the money. Can you get people to pay for rule books they technically already own in a way and uh, i think they have a lot of good ideas uh, like he said a lot of the stuff that uh, everything that's going to be in-house is going to be free um, and then publishers will be able to charge or not as they wish depending on exactly what uh, part of the model they choose to engage with uh, and how they choose to engage with dies to the company they are definitely aware of the problems that doesn't stop them being problems though i mean they still have a large uphill struggle to become a platform for the industry as a whole Yes, being aware of problems doesn't mean they are not still problems. And as was discussed, the quality versus quantity debate when it comes to games being released on Dyzed between in-house development and in-company development. It's interesting to see that we have such a clear divide and it'll be interesting to see if the Kickstarter is successful and we do see more companies take up the in-company development of tutorials, which ones will be charging will there be will it be consistent throughout companies will it be consistent for certain games i think a lot of it also comes down to can they keep that quality control i mean they say they can but if it ends up with like there's tutorials that aren't complete or not right then uh, as i said in the interview they're going to be back to square one because they want to help people learn rules and if the app does not deliver on that that's going to be a real problem yeah and and i think one of the biggest questions now at this moment in time is just is that Kickstarter going to be successful? I think a lot of this hinges on that Kickstarter at the moment, you know. Obviously, on the Kickstarter page at the moment, there is a bit of backlash from the original Indiegogo backers, some of which I think is answered in that in the interview we had with Jared. You know, he does talk about that. He talks about that this is a specifically very different Kickstarter for a different purpose. However, I think as someone who's new to the campaign, this is quite an attractive Kickstarter. You know, it's relatively low cost, and I think they've got some good benefits there, you know, um, lots of in-app um, rewards. But also, if you're backing the highest tier, you get some quite nice promos for certain games. I'm a big fan of the King Domino Castle. And you get some other stuff as well. Obviously, that all depends on actually if you own those games. But Whilst I agree with that, Sam, I think they will run into problems. If the Kickstarter campaign fails, it's just going to look really, really bad for them. And it make, might make people lose a lot of faith in the app, which, as we all agree, is it's a really good idea. Yeah, I think it would be a shame just to see this fall by the wayside. Ian, you're you're the only person out of us who's actually used the app currently um, for its main purpose. Sorry. Yes, Ian, How did I you get on with it? you used it to teach your you and your partner King Domino. Tell us your thoughts about... Well, I'd like to know your thoughts on using Dyzed, using Dyzed to teach... And then King Domino. Sure. Um, so yeah, I downloaded the app on my Chromebook and my phone. It crashed a bit on my Chromebook, but that's not a big indication of anything bad with the app because the Chromebook can be a little bit dodgy that way. Uh, I did download on my app and that was fine. It worked, uh, worked, it worked better over Wi-Fi than a cellular network, I have to say. I am downloading because you basically you download the tutorial onto your phone. You don't stream it from their server or anything like that. You download a, a file. 
to to do that. Uh, but it was really good. It ta- it did teach us the rules. Um, my partner found the voiceover a little bit annoying, but it was fine. It was an animated proper. It was full an- animated tutorial. Took you from opening the box up. You can choose whether or not you are unwrapping the box for the first time, so it can show you how to like cut, uh, punch things out and in what order and that kind of thing. Uh, but we just went for the opening the box one, and it teaches you literally how, how to open the box, lay out the game, and takes you through your first few turns, and then sort of lets you let you go. And again, from an accessibility point of view, for I think there's a huge community out there that's going to benefit from that A to Z comprehensive. This is how you get started with this game from just buying it. You know, I think that really is a huge thing that I think much of the gaming community is looking past and just saying, "Oh, but I can read a rule book. Why do I need this?" Yeah, there's a lot. A lot of the backlash we're seeing um, from some in the community revolves around the fact that they've gone for quite simple games first. But well, King Domino and Ice Killer are very simple games. Blood Rage is obviously much more complicated. But one of the things that Jared was saying in the interview is that they really want to reach out to people who don't really play uh, any kind of hobby games at all. They only really know Monopoly, Cluedo, that kind of thing, the more traditional games. And they really want to reach out to those people and help them into the hobby. They don't They don't really want to target... They're not really targeting the more hardcore amongst us like ourselves. Sorry, it was echoed in the Mike Barnes interview that although it is an app that initially may be targeted at the, let us say, more hardcore variety of board gamers, it is in essence something, a product that is going to help people who are want, uh, wanting to get into board games, try a variety of board games beyond the, let's say, traditional output. Yeah, um, I think the only um, slight issue I had with the app was that the starting tile where your little castle goes on in King Domino was different in the tutorial than it was in my particular version of King Domino. And that did get me thinking about what happens if editions come out, will, how will they update rules and that kind of thing. That will be quite an interesting problem because if you're just Joe Punter on the street, you're not going to know if, whether you have like the second, fourth, eighth edition of a game. You're, you're not going to know that really. Um, and although it momentarily confused me, it might really confuse someone who is not more familiar with sort of setting up board games like we are. I admit, when I first was aware of Dyes, I was, as I said at the very beginning, I was very sceptical. And it was from the idea of, oh, it's teach people how to read a rule book, or you don't need a rule book. But we've got plenty of games that we can read through rule books. I don't see what this is. And then through more exploration of it and coming at it from a slightly more accessibility-focused angle, let's say that opinion has mellowed uh, quite a bit and much more um, on a much more positive spin on it from that perspective i came into this whole thing quite enthusiastic about the app to be honest not gonna lie i looked at it had a little play around and thought hey if this kicks off this is really good speaking to mike speaking to jared i think all of those questions were answered for me not saying that there isn't still problems there as we've discussed there are but it seems like they've got a handle on what a lot of those problems are and can be Um, So I think I'm still pretty enthusiastic about this. I like what it's about. I like where it's going. And I think they can do some really interesting things. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm still the cynic of the group. But I must admit, I definitely came out, especially the Jared interview, with much more enthusiasm for the app. And yeah, like yourself, Sam, I can really see it being useful down down the line for people with accessibility issues. I can really see it becoming a, a good platform. They still have a massive hill to climb to really bring it to market to really get the sort of the big boys on board and and really see a lot of developers use the app to produce con- rules and tutorials. But I ho- I hope they can get there. I really do because I think it's a really interesting app and it could really become an we could really become a thing. I definitely think as a group we'll be 
keeping an eye on things and possibly updating people in the future. I, th- I think we will. I can't. I can't see us um, ignoring any new, any big news out of the Dice app in the future, gentlemen. Let's bring this discussion and interview and special edition to a close. We've ha- listened to two interviews and our greatest thanks to Mike Barnes and Jared Miller for their time and their wonderful answers. Gents, I'd like your final thoughts on Dyzed in... You've got 10 seconds. Keep an eye on it. I think it could be big. Um, give it a chance. That's my main thing. Give it a chance. Yeah, I'd say the the beaters out there, give it a chance. Uh, try out the tutorials, see if you think it's a thing. And throw them throw them buck or two if you think it's going to be a good thing they've got a lot of problems to they've got a lot of problems to overcome but i think they can manage it my final thoughts it seems a company that is wanting to do their best to appeal to as wide a section of the board gaming community and those beyond as they can i think the cause seems to be very noble as has been said for yes there are issues but they are not unaware of them and i think that's something to take into consideration If you would like to find out anything more about anything that we have discussed, you can find links in the show notes. Thank you very much to Mike, thank you very much to Jared, and thank you very much to you for listening. If you like what you've listened to, then the best way to help Brainwaves out is to share the podcast and drop us a review and a rating on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, at TheGiantBrain, Instagram, GiantBrainUK, Facebook, TheGiantBrain, website, GiantBrain.co.uk, or send us an email at giantbrainuk at gmail.com. Thank you very much. <laughs>